for that promise he's coming back amen let's just go to him in prayer father lord we're just so thankful to be your children to, to belong to you lord and lord we just want to ask that you would come by once again and speak to our hearts touch our lives father lord you know the things that we have looked at and studied father we just ask lord you would anoint it lord to our hearts i pray Lord, just help me to step out of the way, Lord, and to be used of you, Father, to help someone along the way, Lord, to make a soldier get back up and grab his sword again and begin to fight again. Whatever it is, Lord, that you would just move and touch in our lives, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 18. Amen. I just was thinking today on some things. and You know, if you're not careful, you'll get worried about a lot of things you don't need to be worried about. Begin to fear things you don't need to fear. And that's the way the devil is. He tries to come and put that in your mind. And, and uh, you know, you get to wondering how all of this is going to take place. And, you know, you get to hearing about this one over here. This fell off, and this one's got his video he's making about why he, de- why he left the message. Or this one's doing this, and you just wonder, Lord, is there going to be anybody left? But God said there would be. And it just struck me so deeply this, this last couple of days that God is so determined to have a bride without spot, without wrinkle. He'll do whatever it takes to bring it to pass. So I'd like to speak to you tonight on God is so determined. Amen. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 18, it says, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall know in no wise pass from the law till it all be fulfilled. Amen. Till it all be fulfilled. God bless you and be seated. Just looking at this for just a moment on this one jot or one tittle. One is, one is representing the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And the other was, the tittle is actually a little mark that makes a, that dif- differentiates between different words or different uh, alphabet uh, letters. It's just a little small mark. But it's very important because without that, without that little mark, it, you can actually say something that you didn't mean to say. And, you know, Jesus would say this like this. He'd say, till heaven and earth pass, one jot, the smallest letter in the alphabet, or the most smallest promise in the Bible, or one tittle, one little mark that seems to be so insignificant, one verse that you've read hundreds of times that maybe you skimmed over, but whatever, that one tittle shall no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. And I read it like this and amplify it. It says, for truly I tell you, until the sky and earth pass away and perish, not one smallest letter, nor one little hook, 
identifying certain Hebrew letters will pass from the law until all things it foreshadows are accomplished. Amen. Amen. Nothing will pass from the law until all things it foreshadows. So Abraham foreshadowed, Moses foreshadowed, amen, all the, all the law down through the Old Testament foreshadowed until all things are accomplished. Amen. So I'd like to look from there into Luke chapter 1 verse 37. It says, for with God nothing shall be impossible. Amen. So what, 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 what he's saying in this word, though, as we, before we move, he said before, what he's saying in this word is the law does, or the Bible or the scriptures does not contain truth. The Bible is truth. Amen. So every scripture, every dot, every tittle, every little mark, every little remark, every word is there for a purpose, and it will be fulfilled. Amen. So no spoken word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Amen. If God speaks, something will bring it to pass. Amen. For with, for with, so the scripture says, for with God, let me read it in Amplified, for with God nothing is ever impossible. Amen. I love this. Nothing is ever impossible and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Amen. No word from God. So the promises of God are yes and amen. Amen. It says that in 2 Corinthians. And I want to go through again. I know I spent a lot of time in the promises of God, but I want to drive it home again because, you know, Satan loves to come and minimize vindication. He loves to minimize our promises and, and maximize the excuses or maximize the fear or maximize the worry. Amen. But there's promises here that, amen, that will be fulfilled in somebody. Amen. It says the promises of God are yes and amen. God's promise will never fail. It's in the Bible. Amen. Joshua 23 says not one word of God has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you and not one of them has failed. Hallelujah. Not one of them has failed. Amen. We can have confidence in a God who when he speaks, it's the truth. Amen. When he says something, it will come to pass. If he put it in his word, he didn't put it in there just to, just to, uh, to fulfill a certain quota. Amen. To have a certain amount of pages or word count. He put every word in there for a purpose and every word will be fulfilled. Amen. God promises us eternal life and it's in the Bible. Amen. And this is the promise that he has promised us, John 2, verse 25, eternal life. God has promised salvation to our children. It's in the Bible. For I will contend with him who contends with you. I will save your children. Amen. God will do the impossible. Hallelujah. It will be fulfilled. Amen. I believe as the sons of Abraham, we ought to be able to grab a hold of every promise and not let it go until it comes to pass. Amen. God can do the impossible as we read there in Luke chapter 18. The things which are impossible with man are possible with God. Hallelujah. Amen. God has promised us even in the Bible. Amen. All of these promises. And I want to read a few of them. God has promised us new hearts and a new desire. It's in the Bible. In Ezekiel 26 or 36 and verse 26. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. God has promised forgiveness. It's in the Bible. 
if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Remember, not one, as we read this, not one jot or tittle will be unfulfilled. But there is a power to fulfill it. Amen. If that promise is laying there, there is a power to fulfill the promise. Amen. God promised our sins will be removed far from us. It's in the Bible. In Psalms 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far has removed our transgressions from us. He promised our sins will be buried. Amen. In Micah 7 and verse 19, he will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Hallelujah. He has promised us the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. He has promised everyone here the Holy Ghost. Amen. It said it's in the Bible. Amen. Amen. He said the fruit of the Spirit is there. The joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithful, gentleness, self-control. Amen. It's all in the Bible. It is a promise. So if you need joy, it's in the Bible. If you need peace, it's in the Bible. Whatever you have need of is there. We are promised to the Holy Spirit. It's in the Bible. Luke 11 and verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Hallelujah. Amen. The Holy, the Holy Spirit will guide you and show you the truth. It's in the Bible. John 16 and verse 13. When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you unto all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Amen. There's promises in the Bible about money and finances and prosperity and employment. It's in the Bible. Amen. You, you will not lack anything that is needed. It's in the Bible. Amen. Psalms 34, 9 says, Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints. There's no want to those who fear him. Come on, somebody. The young lions may lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. It's in the Bible. Amen. God will take care of your day-to-day needs. It's in the Bible. Hallelujah. Matthew 6, 31 says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Hallelujah. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Even in in the Bible, that as you meditate on God's word, your way will be prosperous. It's in the Bible, Joshua 1.8. It says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe and do according to all that is written in, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. It's in the Bible. Amen. We need to test God and see if he'll bless us with more than you can hold. It's in the Bible. Amen. Amen. Not one jot, not one tittle will be unfulfilled. Amen. It's in the Bible. Malachi 3 and verse 10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food for my house, and try me now, saith the Lord. 
saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour out of you such a blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Hallelujah. If you want the devourer rebuked, amen, you need to give unto the Lord. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither will your vine cast her fruit before his time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. That which he said he will perform. Not one jot, not one tittle. Listen, he knows what you have need of. But it says, test me, prove me, saith the Lord. You say, well, I'm just a poor person. I don't have much to give. Let me give you a few things on that. Amen. Brother Branham, in speaking of this, you know, you'd read many times, Brother Branham would say, you know, I won't take up an offering. I won't take up an offering. But listen to this right here. He said, I wish I was financially able so you wouldn't even have to never mention an offering. But I, I have to mention it anyhow. I did that one time by a great check that someone was going to give me more than I thought should be given. And I wouldn't accept it. And so the brother said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just take the check, and if you come and go to the meeting, we won't won't have to take an offering. And I said, that's fine. I'll do that. I did that, and it was not a success. It says people has to have something in the meeting. It's their meeting. Amen. And they meet me on the street and ask, what's the matter with this meeting? We haven't got no part in it. They didn't even take them an offering. So an offering is part of worship. Offering is part of worship. That's right. I know more than that ever since the other day when I was going to give Hattie Wright back her $20 she'd pledged toward the new tabernacle in Jeffersonville. And the Lord said, just let her alone. And a few minutes later, I saw why he said let her alone. What was more important, $20 or the salvation of her two boys? What meant more to that little widow woman? $20 or two boys? Amen. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So from that, I just made a promise in my heart. I was never going to try to stop anybody that wanted to give something towards the kingdom of God. I did it many times. Turned it down just as fast as I could. And I realized I have robbed people by doing that. Amen, because God had a program for that or he wouldn't have put it in there. Amen, if he would rob people by doing that, how much are we robbing ourselves by not testing God and seeing what he will do with our money? Listen, you can't outgive God. It's in the Bible. You can't outgive him. He's there. He'll, he said, cast your bread upon the water and see if it don't come back. Run it over and press down. Amen. Till you can't even contain it. Listen, I understand this is not a prosperity gospel, but there is prosperity in this gospel. There's a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. There's a God who's more than able, even yet more than able, to supply whatever needs you have need of. Come on, somebody. But are we willing to test God and see? Amen. See, because God had a program for that. I don't believe in begging. No, I don't believe in begging. It's just tell the people and let it be like that. God take care of the rest. He does. He puts it upon people's heart. Many times, I think he puts it on their hearts to do something. 
Then I've turned around and conflicted it with that by saying, no, I wouldn't take it. No, sir, I wouldn't do it. And I think about Jesus when that little widow woman put it in all her living. Amen. Just a few mites, thousands of dollars the rich man had put in. But he never stopped her. He let her go right on because he knew what he was going to do for her. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, the saying goes, a poor man has poor man ways. Amen. Many times we got a poor man mentality and we, ain't, we don't see the, the, the need for giving to the Lord. But listen, let me tell you, it's in the Bible. It's not my word, it's his word. I know you think, well, you're just begging for my, I'm not begging for nothing. I'm saying, listen, if you want to worship God, give up your tithes and your offerings. It's in the Bible. And you will not be blessed by God until you do. He talks another place. He said, Brother Fred and I tried for some money that Brother Fred had that. I wouldn't even read it, total, the, story, the total story and total deliverance. And he said, would not take it from individuals. So we decided we'd give it to the Canadian people, not even take an offering. But it didn't go so good. And the meetings were fine, but we didn't take them an offering. He said, I don't care if the church is worth $100 billion. I don't believe we're there yet. He said, I don't care if the church is worth $100 billion. You still owe it to God to take up an offering. That's part of worship. And you rob them of it if you don't. As much as I've been against money and things like that, I find when a man's wrong, you might as well admit you're wrong. Amen. So God promises to supply all our needs. It's in the Bible, Psalms 419. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God gave it the best he had by giving his only son. It's in the Bible. He gave his best. How come we can't give our best? Romans 8, 32 said, He he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God does not hold anything back that is for your benefit or your good. It's in the Bible. Psalms 84, 18 said, For Jehovah God is our light and our protector. He gives us grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk along his path. Are you walking along his path? Well, be expecting he's not going to hold anything from you. Whatever you have need of and you ask, you shall receive. It's in the Bible. We have promises of health and healing. It's in the Bible. Jeremiah 30 and verse 17 says, For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, saith the Lord. God promises health when we listen to him. It's in the Bible. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. God heals us and forgives us. It's in the Bible. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all of our diseases. Hallelujah. Not one jot or tittle. Amen. Wisdom is one of God's promises. How many can use a little godly wisdom? 
James 1, 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Amen. God gives wisdom and guides us. Psalms 32 and 8. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou go. I will guide thee with my own eye. Well, what a promise. So we're not looking at ourselves for wisdom. Amen. Proverbs 3, 5 warns us of this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In your way, all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. God promises to guide you on his pathway. It's in the Bible. Isaiah 30, verse 21. In thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it. And when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. So God is there to guide you. How many thankful for him guiding you all the way? There's promises for children and marriage and family. It's all in the Bible. And God's determined to have godly children. God's determined to have godly marriages or he wouldn't have it in the Bible. God's determined to have godly young people, amen, who honor their mother and father. It's in the Bible for a reason. And God's determined to have a man or a woman that'll show what real unity is or he wouldn't put it in the Bible. God will save your children. Read it again. I love this one. Maybe you need to write it down. Isaiah 49 and verse 25 says, I will contend with him who contends with you. And I will save your children. Mercy. Maybe we ought to just read that again until it just settle. Listen, not once see that little period on the end, it's not going to pass away until it's fulfilled. Amen. I will contend with him that continue with. Amen. If the devil's been against you, amen, I want you to understand he has Jesus Christ on his hands. Hallelujah. For I will contend with him who is continuing with you. Amen. If the devil's been continuing with you this week and putting fear and depression and all kind of things upon you, just imagine what he's dealing with. Hallelujah. He wants to make you think you're the only person that goes through something. I have to imagine he has a bad day every day because he knows at the end of this day, he's going to burn in the lake of fire. Hallelujah. And I will save your children. How many can say, God, you said you would save my children? Save my children. Hallelujah. Amen. Children are a blessing from God. It's in the Bible. Psalms 127.3 says, Behold, children are the heritage from the Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. So if he gave it to you for heritage, amen, it belongs to you. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Amen. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Hallelujah. I heard Brother Danny say, why did he equate and being like your quiver is full or the arrow's in the hand of a warrior, an arrow is designed to hit the target. It's going to be fulfilled. When we get there, they're going to be there too. Hallelujah. 
Behold, children are inheritance from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is a man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. God has also called husbands and wife to a mutual beneficial marriage. Mutual beneficial. Mutual. In other words, it's good for the man and good for the woman. It's in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 3 said, Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. <laughs> and God is determined to have a husband and a wife just like that Amen. in Laodicea. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. God gave all for his church. We do likewise. It's in the Bible. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word that he might present to her to her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish. God is determined to fulfill this scripture. And he will push back hell. He will drive back every force of hell. Listen, they may have been covered in every kind of dirt. They may have been covered in every kind of dogma. They may have been covered in every kind of man's creed. But God is so determined to have a bride without spot, without wrinkle. He'll do whatever it takes to bring it to pass. If he's got to tear down governments, then he has. If he's got to tear down walls, Satan has built for years down through genealogies and built men's walls to try to hold somebody. He'll tear it all down. And he has to bring that to pass. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. It's a mutual beneficial relationship. It's in the Bible. Amen. We're not, you know, people that will... Y'all preaching the old fogey gospel. It's in the Bible. I can't help that times have changed. God's word ain't changed. Time does not do anything to God or his word. Might do it to a man, what he thinks or what he thinks about it or whatever, but it does not do anything to God. I mean, sin has not gotten any worse. It's always been bad to God. Amen. It's not got any better. Sin is sin. Now, to us, you know, we kind of come to this moment kind of like the frog boiling as the temperature turns up little by little. And we really we get to this moment. If you look back 40 years ago, and it didn't, don't, what Brother Branham called out and blasted don't seem so bad right now, but it's still sin to God and to his people. Amen. God has promised peace. It's in the Bible. Isaiah 26, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So how does the devil get you out of that when you get your mind off of him? Just like he did Peter. Peter stepped out of the boat walking just fine as long as his mind was on Jesus. 
But when he turned and he began to look at this problem and this situation, and how am I going to get back to the boat? And how, does, how am I even doing this? And mine began to reason and think. He forgot who was giving him the ability to have that. And he began to sink. Amen. But what happened? Jesus reached down and he picked him back up again. Got his eyes right back where he should be. And maybe today your soul has been so stirred up and worried and fear. Why? You've got your eyes off Jesus. Get your eyes back on him. Amen. You don't need to worry. It's in the Bible. Come on, somebody. We're just having a Bible study tonight. Philippians 4 and 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The Bible promises peace. Amen. If we live according to God's principles, it's in the Bible. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Why? Because their eyes is on Jesus. God promises help in overcoming temptation. (laughs) God promises victory over it. It's in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you such except such as common to man. But God is faithful. Mercy, I about have myself a shouting fit reading. God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able? But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God promised the devil will flee if we submit to him and draw near to God. It's in the Bible, James 4 and 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinner. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. God promises to help us through our temptations. It's in Hebrews 2. For in he that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid or help those who are tempted. But God also promises deliverance and protection during our temptation. God has promised protection from harm and danger. Psalms 91, verse 4 through 6. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays way at noonday. God promises safety. Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are saved. God walks with us when we're in our trouble. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, Psalms 138.7, ye will revive me. There's your scripture, Brother Joe. Though I walk through the midst of trouble, ye will revive me. Hallelujah. Maybe you walked all week in a lot of trouble. Guess what? He's here to revive you. He's here to remind you of his word. Not one jot, not one tittle is going to go unfulfilled. But I will fulfill it in you. I'm here to revive you. What is it to give you strength? Thou shalt stretch forth thy hand against the wrath of mine enemies. And thy right hand shall save me. God promises deliverance from fear. It's in the Bible. 
Psalm 34, 4, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Somebody say all my fears. All my fears. We don't need to be afraid or fearful. It's in the Bible. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your heart, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen. It's not a, so in other words, he said, I'm giving my peace, which is not a temporary peace. The world has temporary peace. They have temporary happiness, temporary joy, temporary satisfaction, temporary everything. But Jesus said, I'll give you my peace. It's not temporary. Fear removed through godly loves. John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We loved him because he first loved us. God promised. This is not man. This is God. God promised the second coming and the resurrection. It's not a fable. It's not a hope so. It's not a maybe so. It's not maybe some truth in it. It is the truth. People can call it whatever they want to call it, but it's going to happen. The promise of dead will live again. John 5, 28 says, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Jesus has promised he will come again in the Bible. John 14, 2 says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. God promised that the dead will be raised again. It's in the Bible, 1 Thessalonians 4, 15. This is not a, a, just a scripture that's a, a, you know, just an imaginary thing or a hope so. This is going to happen. For this we shall say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of an archangel with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we will shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. God also promises the end of suffering and pain. It's in the Bible. He promised the end of death, sorrow, and pain. Revelations 21.4, it says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Hallelujah. Listen, God doesn't speak these things and leave it up to a man to fulfill them. God looks after his own word. God himself stands over and watches his own word, making sure it will be fulfilled. Amen. Jeremiah 1, 12. You can turn there. I'm going to read several different. Amen. I will uh, Several different applications of it or translations. Jeremiah 1, 12 says, For I will hasten my word. To perform it. 
The Amplified says, And the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am alert and active. This is God. I am alert and active, and I am watching over my word to perform it. Amen. The New King James Version says, For I am ready to perform my word. The NIV says, I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Another one says, I'm watching to make sure that my message to you comes true. Hallelujah. What are all these scriptures I've been reading? It's God's message to you. It's God's word to you. And he's watching over it. He's not somewhere off somewhere slumbering and asleep. No, he's watching right over to make sure it's all coming to pass just exactly as he said it would. God's word accomplished that which he pleases and his purpose and, it, and, and his purpose and his prospers in the things which he sent it. He says it, he says it here in Isaiah 55 in verse 6. I'm going to read from the Amplified again. Seek, inquire for, require the, the Lord while he may be found, claiming him by necessity and by right. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have let him return to the Lord and he will have love, pity, and mercy for him and to our God, for he will multiply to him his abundant pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from the heavens, and return not there again, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and sprout, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. Or in other words, without producing an effect, it will not be useless. But it will find a place to be useful. But it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose, and it will prosper in the things which I send it, saith the Lord. The word of our God will also stand and endure forever. It says there in Isaiah 48, 40 and verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Hallelujah. For all flesh, mankind, 1 Peter 1 and 24 says, for all flesh or mankind is like grass and all its glory is like a flower of the glass. Grass, the grass wither and the flower drops off. But the word of God, the word of the Lord, divine instruction, the Bible, the gospel endures forever. And this word is the good news which was preached to you. Psalms 119 and 160 says the sum of your word is truth. (laughs) The sum, the total of your word, the total of the full meaning of all your individual precepts is truth. So we can pile it all up and lay it all there in one book. It ain't. It don't just contain truth. It is the truth. And every one of your righteous decrees endures forever. God's word will also never pass away. It says in Matthew 5 and verse 18. 
For surely I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, as we read, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass away from the law till all that is, the all is fulfilled. God's word is also dependable and faithful, and God is also dependable and faithful to his word. Amen. Amen. So, and then Hebrews 10, 23 says, and amplified again, says, let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess in our acknowledgement of it, for he who promised is reliable. For he who promised is reliable and faithful to his word. He will bring it to pass. It's not up to me to bring it to pass. It's not up to me to know when it's going to come to pass. It's up to him and he's going to bring it to pass. The word of God is also tested, tried, and proven. Amen. 2 Samuel 22 and verse 31 and amplified again. It said, as for God... Maybe, maybe as for some man, he may not can say this, but as for God, his way is perfect. Amen. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler. Amen. He is a shield. And a, let me read it from a piece. His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler or a shield to all of them that trust in him. Amen. Psalms 18 and verse 30 said, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tested and tried. He is a shield. Amen. It's it's wrote there over and over. The Lord wants you to know you can have confidence in what I have to say. It's going to come to pass. It ain't if, maybe, somehow, but it's going to do exactly at the perfect, maybe, maybe not your timing, but God's timing. It will fall in place. Also says it again in Proverbs 33 times. Every word of God is tried and purified, and he is a shield to those who trust and take refuge in him. God also keeps his word even when men don't keep theirs. God's word is true, and, one, and God's, listen to this, God's word is true and will come to pass no matter what people do, say, or believe. There's a lot of people that didn't believe Moses. Pharaoh didn't believe him. Nobody believed him there in Pharaoh's camp. Nobody believed him. Not just a few souls believed Noah. But God's word still came to pass. There was many who didn't even believe Jesus. Said he couldn't, said he couldn't perform many miracles in their midst because of their unbelief. They didn't believe him. And we get here and, and get amazed when people don't believe. There's always been disbelievers. There's always been mockers. There's always been people who got up and tried to explain. How, can't you, can you imagine how many explanations was there in Noah's day of the rain or the no rain or how you're crazy? I mean, you know, I just here the other day it was up at the, the replication of that boat. Blow your mind. How big that thing was according to their best estimates to get as close as they could get. No doubt people looked at him and said, you are stupid. What in the world? Are you kidding me? Then no doubt a lot of made videos. Why I left Noah's message. There was many of them that could have wrote a, made a video. Why I don't no longer walk with Jesus. 
There was many of them that could write and say, why, I think them Israelites are a bunch of stupid idiots and they're leaving this and they're going out into a wilderness. Ha, 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 ha. There's been all kinds of doubters. But no matter what people say, do, or believe, or don't believe, God's word will be fulfilled. He will bring it to pass. There's been doubters before. There'll be doubters even after the rapture. There'll be doubters when the bombs are falling. I mean, I just was back in the office and somebody showed me a video and wonderfully put together. I don't even know who did it about the testimony of, of Congress, Congressman Upshaw and have written proofs in the in the in the newspapers of his test, written testimony on that day of how he was delivered, a man who was for seven years on a, on a bed and then after a while gained strength. And I don't remember how, I don't forget how many years he was in a wheelchair. Was it around 60 years? Somewhere around 60 years. And in, the, in Brother Brown's meetings, he was, amen, he was able to leave that wheelchair and that crutch and went a whole year testifying of God's healing power. And would you dare believe somebody would comment on that and say all this stuff is just a fake? You can't make a disbeliever believe. They're going to be here. That's what they're, that's who they are. But I believe. Why? Because I'm a believer. As we say, Brother Tim would say, it's what we do. We're going to believe. I don't care till the last second. We're going to believe. If we're walking down and our noses are up to the water, we're going to believe. So who we are. So no matter what people say, do, or believe, God's word will come to pass. What if some do not believe? And are without faith. Does their lack of faith and their faithfulness nullify and make ineffective and void the faithfulness of God? Maybe you didn't know this was a scripture. Romans 3 and verse 3. Amplified. What if some do not believe and were without faith? Does their lack of faith and their faithlessness nullify and make ineffective and void the faithfulness of God? And his fidelity to his word, by no means. Let God be found true. Though every human being is false and a liar is written, that you may be justified and shown to be upright in what you say and prevail when you are judged by sinful men. Amen. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 13 says, We are faithless, do not believe, and are untrue to him. Yet he remains true. Faithful to his word and his righteous character. For he cannot deny himself. Amen. 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 God's word will work for you if you'll believe it. Amen. It's in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 2 from the Amplified again. We also especially thank God continually for this. 
that when you receive the message of God which you heard from us, you welcome it not as a word of mere men, but as truly is the word of God which is effectually at work in you who believe exercising its superhuman power in those who are ear to and trust in it and rely upon it. Hallelujah. Amen. It's superhuman power to those who adhere to it and trust in it and rely on it. How many are relying on the word of God tonight? No wonder you can stand in the face of that darkness. No wonder you can stand in the face of that doubt and that fear and that stuff that's been tormenting you and you still are remaining. It ain't a human ability. It's a superhuman power on the inside of you. It's at work in you. Even when you don't see him, he's working. Even when you don't feel him, he's working. He's evermore working. He's always working. It's the Holy Ghost on the inside that's keeping me alive. It's the Holy Ghost on the inside that's holding me in my times I don't have joy, in my times of depression, in my times I don't feel the Spirit of God. I know He's still there. Hallelujah. Romans 4 and verse 18 says, For Abraham hoped being gone, hoped in faith that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been promised. So numberless shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body or the deadness of his body which was as good as dead because he was about 100 years old or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's deadened womb, no unbelief or distrust made him waver or doubtingly question concerning the promises of God, but he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God, fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word and to do what he had promised him. Hallelujah. Was there any Abraham seed here tonight? That you're not going to consider the things that ain't working out and don't seem to be going along just fine. You're not worried about none of that. You're not considering how long you've been going in this journey and the Lord ain't come yet. You're not considering that. You know he's faithful and yet more than able to bring what he promised to pass. And he promised me that. And he's going to do it. Abraham called by election. God given him the covenant of grace unconditionally. Hallelujah. You know, when God makes a covenant with man, man breaks his covenant. You make a promise to God, nine times out of ten, you'll not do it. But when God made a covenant with man in the Garden of Eden, this you do and this you do. And it was not, it was not, but you know, what happened? Adam and Eve, they, they broke the covenant. But when it came to Abraham, it was not, there was not an if in it. He says, why was there not an if in that covenant? He said, because God was determined to save man. Amen. Whoo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So instead of saying if, he was no if to Abraham. He said, I have already done it. Amen. Why? Because he was determined to save man. Amen. And we are the children of Abraham. Therefore, we fall under the same unconditional covenant. It's not if. It's I've already done. 
And he swore not by a man. He didn't swore by any other church. He didn't swore, swear by any government or any country. He swore by himself. I'm going to bring this to pass. Why? Because he was determined to save man. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm glad he was determined. I'm glad he's still determined to save man. Hallelujah. I'm so glad he found me. I was running away from him. I was going just as hard as I could to hell. I was trying everything I could not to do the things he wanted to. But I'm so glad he was determined to save man. Some of you were so determined to, to tear your body apart and to sell your soul and to do things you know was wrong and you shouldn't have ever done or committed, but you was determined. But not only was you determined, God was determined. Hallelujah. And God's determination was greater than your hard-headedness and your sin-sick soul. And as hard as you was going to hell, there was a God who was determined. No, you're my son. You're my daughter. Come back this way. No, I'm going this. Come back this way. No, I'm going this way. All of a sudden, pull you out. Why? Because God is determined. Hallelujah. We can look at souls sitting here tonight and realize just how determined God really is. Woo! He'll tear down thoughts. He'll tear down imagination. He'll tear down walls. The devil is walled. People in, he'll tear it all down. Why? God's determined. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. God determined to save man. Oh, you say, oh, I'd like to be Abraham. Oh, if I had that assurance, then I would certainly rest perfectly quiet. Why, you got the same assurance because you got the same covenant. The covenant was not only to Abraham, but to the seed after him. If you begin to see that, then divine healing becomes easy. Hello, somebody, y'all hang up. If you begin to see that you're under the same covenant, then divine healing becomes easy. Any of the, the, any of the other promises that God has given becomes easy. When you see it's not up to you, it's up to God. God has given the promise. So then you don't have to get restless about it. Just believe. But see, man always breaks his covenant with God. But when God made a covenant with Abraham, Adam in the garden, he broke it. And every time man breaks his covenant, give him the law of God, he broke it. But God was so determined to save man. So he made a covenant with Abraham unconditionally. Not if you will, I will. But he said, I have. Moses one day on the backside of the desert, 40 years of whiskers, 80-year-old man, long whiskers, white hair, hanging down his bald spot on his head, walking there with a cane in his hand. God met him in a bush. Why? Because God keeps his promises. God keeps his every promise. And God had brought Moses in the world to do a job. And God was determined that Moses was going to carry out his plan. Yeah. Beautiful. Amen. Hallelujah. Beautiful. So he gave him a different kind of schooling. He said, I'm afraid tonight, friend, I say it with all respect and with reverence, I'm afraid we're giving the church the wrong kind of schooling. We're giving them the schooling from dead letter. 
And not from the experimentalist standpoint of the new birth. Or not by the experience of a new birth. To meet the true and living resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Who is just the same tonight as he was in the days gone by. Hallelujah. If he met Moses in a burning bush, he can meet somebody here in a pillar of fire. When God brought Israel out, he plucked them out of Egypt amongst unbelievers. There was unbelievers there. He pulled them right out. Devil and Satan was behind the forces of Pharaoh trying to hold them. Well, I'll give you just a little bit. Just go on out there and worship just a little bit. But leave your young. God's like, nope, we're not leaving a hoof behind. I'm determined. I'm taking them all. Moses, amen, he took them out with his tender care on the wings of an eagle, that great eagle. Moses led them from place to place, amen, trying to get them to the condition to cross over. For 40 years, he led them and fed them in the wilderness. He nourished the ground, a good ground, a choice ground. He showed his miracles, his signs and wonders. For 40 years in the wilderness, he produced the miracles and signs by this prophet to show that he was God. Who could dry up the sea but him? Who could smite Egypt but him? Who dared to raise a hand but him? And in the midst of it all, he was God, and he showed himself God. He surely wanted his people to know so. And when he soaked the ground of Palestine with the blood of goats and heifers and bullocks and sheep, but the people would not stand, it wasn't sufficient. So the life of the bullock, the blood cell broken, couldn't come back on them, so they couldn't stand under the weight of their sin. But one day, God was so determined that he would save his people. His predestinated church. He had to come himself. Oh, hallelujah. Man's a failure and always will be. He's a failure to start with. He'll always be a failure. God in his predestination, in his own great infant mind, formed a plan to put the real vine down. He planted it on earth, the vine, the righteous vine. Not a denomination, not a church, not a creed, but a man himself made flesh. And he manifested his peace and his power. And the great angel of God, the great Jehovah, was with him. And in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And man did not believe in him and disbelieved him because he would not cooperate with their creed. Finally, they led him away to Calvary there was that blood cell was broken of the precious son of God why because God was determined to save his people there came forth a vine with its roots in glory and its branches on earth to produce a church of the living God that would show forth his resurrection and his power. Who is these men and women that would deny the church of the vine of the living God? The never failing presence of the Lord Jesus in his church to live and show forth his predestinated branches that he caught before the foundation of the earth and swore by an oath, I will raise them up. I will do this. And his church today with the glory of his resurrection living in her. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. And every time the heart beats, the blood pulses to every member of the body. Every time the loyal heart of God beats, it pulsates through the church. The name of Jesus Christ to the church. Whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do. I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. No wonder Peter said on the day of Pentecost, repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. What was it? God was determined to save his people. So he sent his Holy Ghost back. And he connected God with his people. 
He was a root in the offspring of God. He came to the earth. The earth was made by him. He came to the world. The world knew him not. And after his dying, give forth the blood to break. And through the blood of Jesus Christ, a church can be sanctified and put in order that great Holy Spirit with the life of the vine. He says, no wonder they're odd and peculiar people. No wonder you act strange. They don't have no more affairs with this world. They're dead and buried in Christ. He said, the Holy Spirit flowing through every member, showing forth the glory of God. He said, but now there's a wild vine. The Bible speaks of it in 2 Kings. Listen to this. He said, did you notice the preachers went out to gather peas and he got a wild vine? And those wild vines must grow, come close to the seminary somewhat because it was at the school of prophets. And he picked up a lap of gourds and threw them in the kettle, tried to mix it with real genuine pottage. And they cried out, there's death in the pot. He says, brother, there's a wild vine growing. It grows, it grows around creeds and denominations. And when it gets out there, it shuts off all the spiritual joy. The first thing you know, the vine's dead. But God, oh, hallelujah. But God is determined that his vine won't die. So he plucked it up out of those creeds and he brought back the Holy Ghost and it comes down in Jesus Christ's name that the church today can pulsate and live and enjoy and feel the presence of a living God and watch him move among them and do the things he did 2,000 years ago. Why? Because God is determined I will have a bride. I will have a people out of every nation, every kindred, every tongue. God so determined. He was so determined he'd have a bride out of Russia that he tore down communism. You think that was governments doing that? No, that was God doing that. He tore down the bamboo curtain so he can get into China. He'll tear down every man-made thing. They can try to wall it up and keep out whatever they want to. But if God's got a predestinated seed on the inside of there, there ain't enough devils in hell to put a wall around it. That ought to give us courage tonight. If God had seed in China, seed in other countries, that he tore down governments and made them powerless, blinded their eyes, so the word could slip right in. Now they're wanting to bring it back up, build the walls back too late. It's already in there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His roots are, he said, what is it? His branches, his connection, his roots, beginning with God. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Before there was a world, he was with God. He was the root and offspring of David. And his roots now today are wrapped around God, around the throne, around the kingdom of God. And the life is spreading to the earth, showing to the vine, to the branches in his church He still has the same results he did when he was here on earth. And it makes him again the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because God is so determined. Amen. Amen. He said in the restoration of the bride tree. He said the same thing Pentecostal did. The same old Catholic denominational creed that took it in the first place. Talking about the first tree. is the same old tactics that the devil did on this second tree. But God has predestinated. He's promised. He's determined. 
She's got to go on regardless. You hear that devil? She's got to go on regardless. If it wouldn't been, when Luther organized it, it settled right then and been over with. Become just maybe a second Catholic church. He said, but God was determined to. <laughs> he said, Satan was determined, but God was determined too. He done spoke his word, and his law will see that it comes to pass. No matter how many late frosts it has, it's going to live. Yes, Hallelujah. No matter how many things try to come against it, say we might have cold spells, denominational differences and everything, but that tree is going to live as sure as there's a living God to make it live. I will restore it, saith the Lord. He said, I know we got some late spring, some late seasons, and the Easter coming. The Lord is tearing this coming. They say everything like that. The cold winds are killing a lot of them denominational branches, but it can't kill the life that's predestinated to live. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall not. All that he foreknew, he called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he's glorified. It's written in the book, the Lamb's book of life. And it cannot die. Amen. And he said, all the bugs that hell can turn loose on her will never stop her. Amen. Hallelujah. All the bugs that the hell can turn loose on her will never stop her. He never stops working. It's still going to go through. It'll go through creeds. It'll go through everything. It'll go through governments. Why? I will restore, saith the Lord. I am determined. Let me read this one last. Going a little bit over time. So when I'm thinking about that day when it's all over, and the wedding supper is said. We sit down across the table from one another. I look over and I say, I met you at a certain place, didn't I? When we meet each other on this side and talk about the times when we come together like this to take instructions on how to go out and to win souls and look down along the line, Papa and Mama, all of them present. Oh, if that won't be a wonderful time, that wedding supper. We'll reach across the table and take each other by the hand, grip each other's hands. I'm sure a little tear will run down the cheeks for the appreciation of God's grace getting us there. Then the king will come out and wipe all tears away. Many times I've said from my eyes, say, don't cry no more. Those days are finished now. Enter into the joy of the Lord that's been prepared for you since the foundation of the world. Oh, we all want to be there. And when we, we want all that we can. We, we want all that we can get to be there because it's urgent. The time is passing. We're waiting for his coming. So did you notice he said when he sent this first forth, talking about the, the invitation to the wedding supper, the king is God, the son of, you know the parable in the Bible, said the king is God, the son is Christ. He said, we the bride are the ones that's invited. We'd be the whole earth that's invited. Everybody's invited. But there's some things that we got to do before we can ever attend that wedding supper. He said, in the Orient, when there's to be a wedding, take place, a king would set a time for his son's wedding. And then the son's duty would give out the invitations. And no one could come to that supper without an invitation. And he said, I don't believe that there's ever been a man or a woman that's ever walked into a church 
are coming to the presence of God without they were given an invitation to this supper. So you have an invitation. Now you can take it or you can turn it down. That's up to you. Some people go to church year after year, day after day, revival after revival, and still won't accept that invitation. He said sometimes they don't mean to turn it down. They just neglect doing it. So did you notice one had something to do? He brought a piece of ground. The other, some ox had to try him. What was it? See, it's just an excuse. He said, you know, it's just the people got excuses. I got to stay home tonight. I can't go there tonight. Just remember, God said they would do that. They're turning down their invitation. Let's look at it again. He says, one, he did this. His wife wouldn't let him come. Another excuse. There'd be nothing stand between us. There should be nothing stand between us in that invitation. If it costs a yoke of ox or a business or a wife or children or anything, nothing should separate us from that invitation. God called you to his harvest field. Nothing shall separate you from that invitation. So now when the invitations are given out, the excuses was made. Then back they came and said they won't come. If you notice, in the last time he sent them out was to go in the hedges and the highways and the byways, get the lame, the halt, the blind, compel them to come in. For God is determined that his table will not be set with plates and forks and knives and food and nobody be there. God wants his table full. The fatland has been killed. Everything's been fixed. Everything's ready. And if you notice, the last message was to go to the highways and the byways and compel them to come. Because God is determined. I'm going to have my table filled with guests. There won't be one table, one plate with an empty seat. And there won't be one extra table, one extra one. God knows, and he's determined to bring it to pass. You can look at your life and see the determination of God. God's determination was greater than your determination. And I thank God for that. Because Lord knows where we'd end up if we went on our own determined will. Well, I determined I need to do this, and I determined this is what my family needs, and I determined I get your eye out of the way and let God determine it. Let's bow our heads. We have so much to be thankful for. I'm so glad he was so determined. Just like that mama eagle sweeping over looking for her lost little eaglet. No no doubt she covered a lot of territory looking. He came looking for me. He's looking for you tonight. He's wanting to remind you my word is still true. It don't contain truth. It is truth. 
If you need some joy tonight, it's in the Word. If you need deliverance tonight, it's in the Word. If you need healing tonight, it's in the Word. Whatever you have need of. And God is determined. Not one jot, the smallest of the alphabet, the least of the least, or one tittle, just a little mark. It seems so insignificant. We'll pass away. But everything's going to be fulfilled. I wonder how many would say, Lord, I want to just yield myself to your determination. I want to yield myself to you. Not what I think, what I think I should do, my own plans. But what you have for me and my family what you have for me. Maybe some of you know you could give a little bit more to the work of God. I don't know what it is. No, as I read those things, it convicted my heart. I can do more. I can give more. Whatever it is, Maybe just work that out with the Lord and say, Lord, I, forgive me for my unbelief. I believe, Lord, but help thou my unbelief. I believe your promises, Lord, I, but help thou my unbelief. Don't let that weary spirit try to hold on you. And when you've got such wonderful promises in the Bible... Don't let that fear take such a grip on you when you got such promises in the Bible. And God is determined. <laughs> He's predetermined your destiny. He's letting you know there's not enough devils in hell to keep you from being at that wedding supper. So what you worried about? What you fearing? Lord, You've seen the hands all over this building. Lord, surrendering to you, Father. Lord, sometimes our wants and our will gets in your way. But what you've determined for our lives, our ambitions and our goals and what we think will make us satisfied and where we think we need to be, forgive us, Lord. We want your will, Lord. We don't want to step out on our own determination and our own wants and paths and make mistakes. We've done that too many times. Lord, you've seen the hands are lifted. Lord, let us just move to where you want us determined to be. I'm thankful for your determination, Lord, tonight. I'm thankful that you were determined to save me. And I was determined to destroy my life seemingly and going down a wrong path and making terrible mistakes and decisions and doing terrible things. Yet you were so determined. Thank you, Lord. I ask you to bless each in hand, Lord, that's lifted. You would give them, Lord, the things that they have need of tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. He's got it all in Christ.
control He's got it all 